This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He is Anthony Pusick. How are you, sir? Donnie, what's going on? How you doing? Well, it felt like everybody that needed to win won last night, right? I mean, the Devils got that 7-2 win, seven unanswered goals against San Jose. Uh, Jack Hughes gets, uh, 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 what was it, a... he gets a goal. He sure had four points on the night. Got to beat San Jose. They did. Uh, that was a big win for Philadelphia over Tampa. Oh yeah, that was needed. You know, Detroit. You know, Knocked the lights out. Keeps pace. Puts up a, a touchdown and a two point conversion on the Washington Capitals. So that was a team that needed to win, but didn't. But you know, Detroit was able you know to get the win. Pittsburgh beats Vancouver as Vancouver continues. Uh, they're a bit of a slide here. So that was a huge win for both the Devils and the Penguins beginning their West Coast trips. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh out in western um, Canada while the Devils are out on the West Coast uh, of this country. And, um, you know, so a lot of teams able to keep pace, you know, with the, with the Flyers winning over the Lightning. So kind of everything kind of stabilized, I guess, a little bit with the exception of Washington's loss. So everybody kind of gets up a bit of a tick to take advantage of, I guess, now if you want to set your sights on the final wild card with Tampa having it, I'll still, I still think those other teams on the outside in the Metropolitan Division's best chance is to finish third. But, um, you know, some craziness in the Eastern Conference with teams that needed to win. The majority of them did. The Islanders had that big overtime win against the the Stars on Monday. So here's where we're at. I mean, Detroit's proving to you that they're a legit playoff team. As a matter of fact, if Toronto's not careful, if they could fall to the wild card because of Detroit. Detroit's only two points back of Toronto for third place in the Atlantic Division. So Tampa's got that last wild card spot after their loss, 69. So the Devils are five back of Tampa for the wild card and third place in the Metropolitan Division. And then you've got Washington, even with their loss, 63 points. So they're six back. Pittsburgh is seven back, but they've got the games in hand, Anthony. Five games in hand on Tampa because the, they've only played 56 games. It's ridiculous. And they've got four games in hand on Philadelphia. So Pittsburgh, that was a huge win. We'll see what they do against Edmonton and a resurging Calgary team. So that's still a really tough trip for Pittsburgh. And that and and, and the Islanders with sixty two points, they've got fifty eight points. So they've got three games in hand on Tampa. So it's still very, very much wide open, Anthony. And I think the trade deadline is going to be so interesting. What does Washington do? I mean, are they going to try to go for it, or they kind of just settle in? I think they're better off just settling in. The Devils. There's a lot of conversation about Soros, but the question is, will Nashville make a deal since they're in the playoffs? And they said they're going to not make a deal as long as they're in the playoffs. And right now, they've got the second wild card five points ahead of Calgary. So I don't think Nashville is going to be trading their number one goaltender while they're actually in the playoffs on February 28th. I'd like to think that I started the Soros rumors, and I think that, you know, I, I was in Barry Trotz here telling him that this could be a good idea for him. But no, look, you've got Nashville on a six-game win streak, and you've got Calgary on a four-game win streak. Calgary's five points behind Nashville in the wild card with a game in hand. And you take a look at these two teams and think these are two teams that have so many expiring contracts and contracts you think they can move that would help teams that are trying to take that next step in, whether it be their wild card race or their division race, to take a step forward. And you know Calgary already made the move with Lindholm, and they really haven't missed a beat. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Nashville is, as we said, in the driver's seat for the eighth spot in the West right now. Why would you move on from Soros unless you truly believe, as EJ said, that the kid down in Milwaukee is ready to go? That they waste that they I shouldn't say wasted that they used a first round pick on. Um, 
and whose name's escaping me right now starts with an A, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, it, it's tough because there are, as you said, there's such a logjam in the East on, and everybody's kind of looking to improve. And the only teams that I could see being true sellers at the moment right now are Seattle, Anaheim. It looks like Adam Henrique is pretty much all but ready to be traded. Uh, I believe David Pagnotta had that today on X, that it's not a matter of if but when for him, and they will most likely retain some salary. That could be an interesting name for the Rangers. Uh, Does Buffalo move on from anybody, or do they kind of retool a little bit? Does Montreal have any assets that would be worthwhile to move on from? Uh, Columbus, uh, you know, teams that are completely out of it are going to be able, uh, are where these teams are going to be looking, but, you know, the top two goalies that would have been available are Markstrom and Soros. doesn't look like they're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So a team that needs a goaltender like the Devils, like Carolina, I don't think they're going to get it or at least get the quality of goalie they thought they were going to get about a week or two ago. Yeah, it doesn't um, look that way. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Calgary. I, I, if I'm Nashville, I'm not doing a thing. I mean, I, I still think that there's something to making the playoffs and who knows what you can end up doing. You know, Forsberg gets hot and starts scoring goals. Evangelista's been good for them. They've got they a nice, well-rounded team. I don't think they're going to go far. That's the rub, right? Is that are, is any of these teams going to beat a Vancouver? Any of these teams going to beat a Vegas? Beat a Winnipeg? A Dallas? A Colorado? But you know, if you draw Vancouver in the first round, Anthony, and, and this Vancouver team starting to get exposed a little bit, you know, maybe Nashville feels, hey, I, I'll, I'll take my chance uh, with anybody. But the the West is so top heavy. I think that Central Division is so interesting. With Winnipeg's win last night, they are in first place with seventy nine. Because Dallas lost to Colorado, Colorado with a five-one win. I was watching that on ESPN Plus. That was a, a fun, a fun broadcast. That is going to be such an interesting race because winning that division is going to be so vitally important. Like I don't think it's as important in the East, but in the West, boy, that's a big difference of being able to win that Central Division. And yeah, you know, listen, they're still in the conversation to win the West. I mean, right now, Winnipeg is only four points back of Vancouver. But you're getting you're you're getting Los Angeles or the Predators or the Flames or the Blues or whatever, as opposed to maybe having to face Dallas and Colorado, if you end up dropping to second or third, like that's a big deal to me, Anthony. So I, I this wet this Central Division out West is going to be just a lot of fun to watch, and how they play against each other is going to be big. And that was a tough loss for Dallas last night. I can't say that the Central two three matchup is going to be the most exciting in the first round of the playoffs. Because at the moment, if the season ended today, we have Boston-Toronto in the Atlantic 2-3. So that would be number one. But you want to talk about the two matchups that you'd probably see on primetime. And I know that it's not sexy to say, yeah, we're going to put Dallas-Winnipeg on, like, you know, at night. But you know what? That those are the, between Winnipeg, Dallas, and Colorado. That's 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 well, any three of them. I think could go seven with each, which with each other. I think it'd be exciting games, and I would love to see it. Um, if I had to pick a team right now that I think is going to win that division, and I know that they have the least games played, so it's obvious. But I just think Winnipeg all around is pretty well rounded. Uh, I like Hellebuck. Um, I like their top line scoring. Um, I think that they're deep. The addition of Monaghan has obviously been helpful for them. They're plus 41 goal differential, four-game win streak right now. Um, They did have that little dip when Shifley was hurt, but now he's back. I think that's huge for them. He needs to be healthy in order for them to play as well as they can. Um, But I could see any of those three teams coming out of of the century. You could tell me that Dallas is going to beat Colorado. I'd say I agree. You could tell me Dallas is going to beat Winnipeg, vice versa, for all three. Um, 
those three probably have the least discrepancy between them, which is what makes that division so interesting. Well, the two three matchups, which we always hate because of this new format, is you don't want to see a possible cup contender get bounced in the first round because they're meeting another cup contender. You don't have that in the Metropolitan Division. Philadelphia is not a cup contender. Carolina is. So if Philadelphia beats Carolina, that's on the Hurricanes. All right. Boston, Toronto is interesting. Can Toronto win a cup? Right now, I don't believe so. Boston certainly can. But you go to the Central, Dallas, Colorado, Colorado, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Dallas. Any of those three teams, I think, are capable of winning a cup. I agree. One of them is going to be out in the first round. Mm -hmm. Vegas, Edmonton. Vegas obviously can win the cup they won last year. I'm not ready to put Edmonton there. I'm not either. Because Edmonton's got 70 points, and that's with a 16-game winning streak. So do I think they're a nice team? Do I think they're a dangerous team with the right deal? And I heard they're in competition, believe it or not, even though Skinner's playing well, to possibly add depth in goal and possibly put in a position for that depth goaltender to maybe steal the job away from Skinner. Uh, but that's not a cup contender to me. But that's um, a more that's a more viable market right now, Don, than that top flight goaltender. Edmonton's in a good position where if they feel comfortable with Skinner, but they want to just make a little bit of a competition, a lot better than the situation that Carolina or the Devils are in, where it's like we really need a goaltender to push us to the next level. Unless Anderson comes back right. and plays well, well for Carolina. And, and, and again, Anderson is getting closer, but we'll have to see. He hasn't he hasn't hit the ice yet, uh, facing shots, and and we're already that's know, important. March that's important. But you know, there's still 25 plus games left in the regular season, and Anderson is a veteran, so it's not like he's going to need a ton of work before we do get to the playoffs. So the trade deadline, which is coming up on March 8th, so we're still a little over a week away. I'm excited. You know, a lot's going to happen. But I think right now the teams to watch, because I don't think Nashville's going to do anything as long as they're in the playoffs, all right? What is Calgary going to do? Five points out of a playoff spot uh, in the wild card, seven back at third place in the Pacific Division. They've got assets, as you said. The Blues, are, are they going to cut bait with Bushnevich, or are they going to try to make it? Um, Minnesota, same thing. Now I'm going to cut it off. Seattle, I think, is cooked. Arizona, I think, is cooked. Oh, yeah. So Calgary, St. Louis, Minnesota, they've got to make decisions. And in the East, um, I think I think everybody um, other than Buffalo, uh, Buffalo down. Buffalo, yeah, I mean, Buffalo is interesting because they do have assets. I mean, do they want to see this through? I mean, they've got 58 points. They've been playing pretty decently, but you're still talking 11 back of the wild card. Um, and they sit, yeah, just no. I, I I gotta say the Islanders, and even the Islanders and. The Islanders are are still going to be in it, but I I, I want to see what happens over the next couple of games. Pittsburgh, because of the games in hand, um, they're gonna they're gonna be an interesting team. Let's just see the Pittsburgh schedule here quick. When they're going to be getting all of these makeup games and, and who they're going to play? Obviously, they're on um, they're in Western Canada. They they beat the best team. They have a back to back over the weekend. You know, um, yeah, that's usually how it goes with the um, with the battles. Uh, of Alberta, so they've got. Well, no, they got to go to Seattle before they do that. Yes. So, um, an excellent chance to win there, and then they head to March. And as you said, the back-to-back games uh, that they, they have, have a lot to play of against Calgary and Edmonton. They have back-to-backs a lot. Back-to-back weekends, they have back-to-backs 
at but, Bruins, then home against the Oilers right. on the 9th and 10th, and then they play the Rangers and the Red Wings at home on the 16th and 17th. But that's what it gets interesting, okay? Because now when they come back from the trip, they're home against Columbus and home against Washington. Those should be wins, so you would think. you would think if you are if you fancy yourself a playoff team, those are wins. And then that takes us, that game against Washington is on the eve of the deadline. So where are they after that Washington game? So they've got a grand total of six games before the deadline. So they've got a load of games. Yes, they do. Coming up uh, over the next little bit, like eight days. So they're basically playing every other day. So we'll get a better picture. But looking at their schedule, they should be able to beat Seattle, say get two points in Alberta, and get four points against Columbus and Washington. So what is that? That two, four, six, that gives them eight points if we do it, did our math correctly, and that gets them to 70, and now that, that could be enough. It depends on where everybody else is, but, but right. they're close. But that could be enough to where maybe they leapfrog over Washington and New Jersey, and now it, now it depends on what Tampa and Philadelphia do. You right. know, so they might find themselves only four or five points out of a playoff spot, and they're not making a deal. They're going to buy. They're not selling. So... But what that does is what what kind of pressure does it put on the other teams? Like if you're the Islanders and you see Pittsburgh blow by, uh, you already you know open up the gap with you, and they look like they're they're a contender. New Jersey, even though they're on the West Coast, you know still winnable games against the you know, the the Ducks. Certainly, already beat San Jose. Um, the Islanders could end up. I don't know if they have anything to sell, but I don't know if they're going to be buying if they're sitting there six points out of a playoff spot of the deadline. So, well, I keep seeing Brock Nelson's name floating out there, and maybe that's just Twitter, kind of just thinking well, about well, what somebody could called be. the K show saying uh, Igor Shosturkin for Brock Nelson. Yeah, no, I saw that guy. He made his own account after that, so he he got he got his <laughs> Did money. He really? Yeah, he got his money. I think it was uh, Nelson for Igor. Oh, nice. uh, and then he said, "Oh, you could bring Pierre Engvall in there for Zibanejad." So he he really has gotten some run out of that uh, out of that call. Wow. I'm, I'm I'm sure he's proud of himself. But uh, I do wonder what assets they view as no not part of the long term future, and who they would be willing to part with in order to look towards the future if they were thinking that this. And now remember, we were uh, two or three weeks removed now from Lou saying that he believes this team is a playoff team, and I believe he said it in a pregame uh, about a week ago. Um, while they were kind of on this skid here. So Patrick Waugh is going to be the guy going forward, and you'd have to assume he is. I can't imagine that he yeah. came in as a as a renegade to finish out this year. Um, I'm sure he has some opinions on certain guys on this team and who he thinks could be big contributors going forward and who can get moved on from. I don't think they're going to make a deal to make a deal. Lou doesn't really do that. Um, it's going to be an asset that's going to benefit them in the long haul. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and the thing, Don, I know we've talked about it, and, and you think that the Penguins can can make that eighth spot. The problem I have with the Penguins and the Capitals is they're so streaky. And and it's okay to be streaky, but the, the main issue I have with their streakiness is it kind of seems like they can't get they get they get streaky and they don't figure it out. Like when the Rangers go on a streak or when the Bruins go on a streak or the Winnipeg Jets go on a streak, any of these top teams we've seen that have been in our top five, that have been top ten in the league all year, they seem to hit their stride, and then they keep it for a consistency for more than just a week. feels like the Penguins look like that team from three or four years ago that were one of the best teams in hockey, and their offense looks great, and yeah, maybe they'll give right. up a couple goals here and there. Same thing with Washington, but then they'll go on a week-and-a-half stretch where they're under 500 or barely 500, and with where they are in the standings, that's not going to get it done. They're going to have to play a little right. more consistently. Well, 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 like I said, we've got six games before the deadline. Let's see what we do. We, we think they potentially have eight of the 12 points they can get. 
Let's see if they get them. And if they do, I think that they, they can be a legitimate contender moving forward. But you're right. I mean, we're sitting here, you know, they uh, they can go out there and sweep Western Canada, come back and lose to Columbus and Washington at home and, and completely change the narrative. But they're in position. Crosby had another couple of points last night, so he's playing out of his mind. Um, they have at least put themselves in the conversation. Uh, we'll see where they go from there. All right, let's hear from you. We didn't get a chance to do that back on Monday. A lot of people on social media, including Neil, who asks a pretty general question. With so many European players in the league now, why don't you think we have any European coaches in the league? Do you think that they aren't good enough? Surely would be worth a try rather than getting the same old coaches. Well, Holinka was the coach. That's going back a decade ago in Pittsburgh. So we've had European coaches. Uh, Kikalana was the general manager in, in, in Columbus. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, is it uh, a, a case of communication? Like you'd have to find a European coach that is bilingual. Um, so that means they have to be very, very fluent in English to be able to talk to the media, depending on what market they're going to be in, um, communicating with the players and all that, and also a desire to do it. Um, but I, I think we're getting to the, the, the chance that there could be more. Uh, Anthony, I don't think there's a bias against it. I just uh, I don't really even see that many assistants. But no. there's been been on occasion, but uh, not the much of an influx. And I and I have I haven't really seen any um, complain about it. So maybe it's just a case of they don't have an appetite for it. But uh, it is kind of interesting with the amount of Russian, Swedish, Finnish players that we have. Uh, that that there's not as many coaches and look and 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 I don't you know I don't follow the KHL and the Swiss leagues as religiously as 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 others do especially people that are looking for prospects but you you see some former NHL coaches that are over there and and you say oh who where, who's getting success there Patrick Waugh was over there uh, Mike Keenan yeah, Mike as we Keenan, know was yeah. there for a very long time yeah um, I don't know Don I, I wonder if now that there's going to be the return to the Olympics and you're going to keep an eye on these World Junior teams and things of that nature are you going to see teams take a look at, hey, this guy's developing young talent very well, or this guy seemed to manage to get Latvia farther than anybody expected. Maybe we should give him a look. I think you're right about maybe there's a language barrier issue. Um, I'm not saying that you have to speak English, obviously. There's a lot of broken uh, broken French in the in the National Hockey League. Uh, Russian, of course, and, all, and as you said, the European nations. But I think there's also just a comfort level from these upper management places. I mean, like like you said, there's not a whole lot of European front office people um, where they would go to those those leagues and say, "Hey, who can we who can we grab from here to to and and it's a lot of the time these teams play on a different ice surface. It's a little bigger. International ice is bigger. Yeah, that's part of yeah, that. That's part of it too. Are they equipped to coach? The um, the NHL style, when a lot of them have been bred in from a coaching standpoint, at least the international style, which is it's a quite fair different. question and a good but, one. But also, if you get a guy that's played 15 years in the NHL and wants to be a coach, I don't think you have to worry about the international stuff if he's no. played on the NHL level. If you know Sergey Fedorov all of a sudden wanted to be a coach. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that that would apply to him. You know, if Matt Sundin wanted to be a head coach, I don't think that would apply to him. You know, but maybe somebody that was bred from the um, international system coming over here that never played uh, on the NHL level that could be a bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, I, I think that day could possibly come. Thomas says, do you see the Rangers paying Igor Shesterkin another big contract once it expires soon? By the way, it expires at the end of next season. Take away the Vesna year. One could argue he's been inconsistent and streaky, to say the least. Well, 
You don't take away the Vesna Trophy. He's playing out of his mind right now. Um, so let's say he continues to play out of his mind the rest of this year and the Rangers make a run. Um, they may extend him at the end of this year. Or they might wait and then see how he plays next year. Now, what does that look like is another question. You no, go up to I, I eight million, know. six million, seven million. I I do not have an appetite at all to pay big time money for a goaltender. I don't. I, I I think it's an important position, you know. And you can say it's worked out for Tampa with uh, Vasilevsky because he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. But I've seen too many Darcy Kempers win Stanley Cups and and, and all that to say that it's uh, it's something I got to fall over myself for. I mean, Igor Shister. I mean. Um, uh, Alexander Georgiev can win a Stanley Cup this year. Ottinger can win a Stanley Cup. You look at the favorites right now, you know, Demko in in Vancouver. You look at the elite goaltenders in the league, you know, Connor Hullabuck certainly is a Vesna Trophy winner. Uh, Igor's won a Vesna Trophy. Um, Vasilevsky's won a Vesna Trophy. But otherwise, you're looking at a lot of goaltenders that have been on, on deep runs in the playoffs that can win Stanley Cups. And I wouldn't put them among the elite goaltenders, but boy, they, they can play in the postseason. I wouldn't worry about it if I'm a Ranger fan. It's not something you have to address until the end of next season, but uh, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be paying him outrageous amounts of money unless this hot streak that he's on continues through these playoffs and into next year and can make it um, very interesting. Adam says they showed this stat on the broadcast, and it really highlights how bad of a problem scoring first has been for the Rangers. The graphic of the Devils' fewest games scoring first. The NHL, the, the Devils, 16 times they've scored first. That's by far the worst in the NHL. The Sharks, 22 or second. Sabres, Ducks, Coyotes at 23. All non-playoff teams, right? Even though it's easier to score now and, and leads are not as safe as they used to be, scoring first is still kind of a big deal. And if you're sitting here 50-plus um, games into the season, Anthony, and you've only scored first 16 times, that's, that's a major problem that, that you've got to try to overcome. Now, luckily, they're among the teams, Rangers as well, with the most come from behind victories, but that's just the byproduct of your spot in a team of one goal lead, and it's 75% of the time. Yeah, I think it speaks more to their defensive and goaltending issues than their offensive um, deficiencies. Obviously, this is a team that has a lot of offensive talent at the top of their roster, but if you aren't able to prevent goals from going in the back of your net, you're not going to be able to score first. Um, sometimes those stats, I'm not saying it's a misleading stat, obviously the Devils have not played as well as they can this year, but more often than not, I like I, I tend to look down and see that the Devils have given up a goal within the first five minutes of a game. I have I have no doubt that it has nothing to do with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer's ability, and more the fact that they don't have Dougie Hamilton, they don't have a goaltender, um, and that puts you behind the eight ball, and that's tough for a young team that you can kind of zero in on as an opposing team to zero in on that top line and then just let the other guys beat you. Timo Meyer hasn't been as advertised and is at the present moment not worth the money they paid. Um, it's a lot easier to play from ahead than come from behind. So um, despite as many come from behind wins the Devils have, again, speaking to how good their offense is, the real issues for this team, as we've mentioned for the last few, like two, three months, are the defense and the goaltending. All right, let's see here. A lot of people asking... Uh, questions that we've already touched on, like what are the Rangers going to go after at the deadline? Every single former Ranger. Uh, Ryan Strom, Pavel Buchnevich, Vladimir Tarasenko, Matt Gorello, uh Frank Vitrano. Am I missing anybody? No, you got them all. Uh, the man which says, who do you think are the most underrated players in the game or players that don't get enough love around the league? Interesting well, that's a, question. That's a, that's a really good question because we're so close to it that there's not a lot of players that... 
that fly under our radar to know whether they get enough love or not. Because we're just so good. So you kind of just no, just because <laughs> you know we, we you know we we know all the players, we follow it, you know, but you know who's getting national attention may not, not, we may not pay attention to. Well, look, I. I, I... People again, and Don, this could be us uh, again. I'm trying to think from the from the from the casual fan. I'm not just saying casual fan, local fan that doesn't look at the entire league, that doesn't have ESPN Plus, that isn't texting in the middle of the night going, Don, did you see that goal in the Toronto game? Um, I think that when you take a look at the top players on teams, you know them. I think William Nylander, who has 79 points and is sixth in the league in points with 31 goals, uh, is underrated in the sense that everyone knows Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. I know William Nylander's the third on that team. I'd say maybe him. Um, I think uh, Elias Pettersson kind of gets buried behind Hughes and Miller uh, on that on that Vancouver team. Um, right. You know, I think I think I think everybody knows this. I, I would hope. I think Sam Reinhart's amazing. Um, and it's one of the main reasons Florida is as good as they are this year. Um, you know, I'm just taking a look at the top point scorers in the league and thinking, who well, are guys first, that people don't know? The, the first thing you got to do is you got to look at the teams that maybe are underappreciated, that people don't pay attention to. Like Kyle Connor, to me, is a very underrated player. I think he's a star, but he's in Winnipeg. Um, doesn't have those eye-popping highlights, but is a consistent goal scorer, consistent point producer. And I think he gets lost sometimes, you know, when Line A was there, and then obviously um, now with, with Shifley and Hullabuck, but I, I think Kyle Connor would be underrated. I, even though he's won a Stanley Cup, and, and people, you know, people don't give, I think, Marcia Show enough credit. I mean, he's got... He's, I agree. He's a, he's a consistent 30-goal scorer. He's got 32 goals this year. He's got to probably finish with 40. I think he's a stud. Another guy that might not get a lot of consideration because hasn't spent a lot of time in the playoffs. People don't pay a lot of attention to him. They're kind of generic. We even kind of joke about him. Is uh, Kaprizov in Minnesota? Yep. You know, and, and I don't know if people realize just how amazing he is as a player. Thrill or, the thrill. Or or, or Sebastian Ajo in Carolina, uh, Svechnikov as well. That's not a team that's known for their offense. Now I think people that um, root for a team in the Metropolitan Division probably recognize those people. I mean, is Braden Point underrated? I think he gets obscured sometimes by St- Stamkos and Kucherov, but you know he's a he's a terrific terrific player. This is going to sound really dumb, Don. But having the NHL game that has now evolved since you've played on the Sega Genesis, yeah, um, I play the Ultimate Team version of it, where you can kind of build your own team and and every card has a rating. So you kind of see how the the community and the league view players based on that rating, and and you take a look at guys like Point and Kaprizov, and they're all like, you're like, wow, this guy's an 88 overall, which is pretty high in the game overall. You're like, how are these guys 88s overall? It's like, well, they're really good. Um, and unfortunately uh, for this league, which is something they have to do a better job of, and I think they are with ESPN and TNT, um, showcasing the top, the original six teams and the teams with the, that are playing very well and that have the number one stars, they're really good at. But when you take a look at teams like Carolina, who are in a metro division that has a lot of big markets in it, and you take a look at a team like you mentioned, like Minnesota, who in Minnesota they're big, but around the country, are people tuning into Minnesota games? No, but I, right. I like Matt Boldy. Uh, uh, Kirill Kaprizov is amazing. Like you know, if you if you watch the league, you know there's so there's so much oh. talent out there. And I know another one that you may you may disagree with because everybody knows his name, but probably doesn't get as much uh, appreciation as he should. Is Brady Kachuk? I, oh I think yeah. You know Matthew gets a lot because he's in Florida now and played in the Stanley Cup final. But I think Brady might be a better player overall. But he's in Ottawa. And he's up in Canada, and it's not a playoff team. But you know, Brady's a complete player. He's got 50 points already this season on a team that's not really going anywhere. 
Um, and, and, you know, Stutzla is a nice player. Batherson's a nice player. But, you know, so there's a lot of guys as you start to really dig deep and you find them that are probably underappreciated. But a lot of times it's just because they don't play on a team that's any good or don't play on a big market, don't spend a lot of time on national television. But if you love the league and you follow the league, you know, you recognize uh, these players and, and, and their abilities for sure. Only a couple of games tonight. Both are interesting. Rangers and Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets have been a pain in the Rangers' ass. Okay. It they really played, has. They've played three times. The Rangers lost both games in Columbus by two goals. The first one was the second game of the season, 5-3, and then the one on Sunday. I called them both, so maybe I'm a jinx there. And the game at the Garden, Rangers had to come back from like two goals down. Lafreniere scored with like 11 seconds left to force overtime, and then he had the game winner in the shootout. So the, the, it's been tough. So anybody just thinks this is going to be a layup, uh, but I think a lot of people are going to see, will there be Olivier Rempe part two? I, I just hope for Rempe's standpoint of just constantly fighting, and especially with the possibility of Reeves on Saturday. It's got to end somewhere. Have you looked at his eye? I don't yet, know if he's in any – not that he's not in any condition. Of course you could play. Right. But I don't know if he's in, in, no, in the mood and, to get punched in the face. And again. listen, for somebody that – he you know, apparently he was the one that initiated the fight with Olivier, does he feel like he wants – you know, does he want the rematch because of what happened? But you're like, if the eye sore, I, listen, I think he just needs to take a break. So, um, but that makes that game interesting. And Blues and Oilers, both these teams need it. Oilers trying to hang on, hold off the Kings for third in the Pacific, starting to get away from the Blues here just a little bit. Second to back to backs, uh, um, always interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking because the you know the Blues lost to the Jets. So that whole you know Winnipeg to Edmonton's not exactly around the corner either. <laughs> so if I'm if I'm a betting man and you already look at the numbers, it's minus two sixty five for the Oilers tonight. So. Um, I would not touch that game. Um, the, I think the Oilers are going to win that game, but I would, I would consider Anthony uh, that plus two hundred for the Blue Jackets, just based on recent vintage, might not be a bad bet. Well, look, I look, and everybody can do what they want responsibly, of course, on ESPN Bet or wherever you bet. Um, I tend to not bet against my team. And I very rarely bet for my team, unless it's like anytime goal scorer, which I did for Artemi Panarin, and that made me some nice money over the weekend, uh, because he always seems to score against the Blue Jackets. Um, I don't think you're wrong, Don. Uh, I I don't know. Sometimes it's weird. Everyone has those weird things, like those years before the Rays were good, when the Yankees just couldn't win in Tampa, and this was before they were good, where they just couldn't win, and it was just head-scratching as to how is it possible that they can't beat this team. For some reason, the young talent, that Russian line that Columbus rolls out, Merzlikens playing out of his mind... Uh, the Rangers uh, against lesser opponents, I'll call them, or opponents that aren't as good. And Peter Laviolette would hate me saying that because he always talks about every team can beat anybody on any given night. They seem to do that hero hockey where they do the cross ice passes and the stretch passes, and they think that you know I'm going to score these amazing goals because we just have more talent, which gets them into trouble on the defensive side. It was probably Miller and Truba's worst game in probably two months over the weekend. Well, Trouba almost was a minus four. Yeah. They took away one because they ended up ruling that first goal on the power play, but originally was even straight. No, he was awful. Two penalties. Both he and Miller uh, pinched up in that game, and you you were calling the game, Don, so you saw it. Yeah. Uh, both pinched up when they really shouldn't have or weren't. It was more. It was less than a 50-50 chance they were going to get to that puck, and it led to two-on-ones, which led to goals. Um, so, no, look, I don't think you're wrong. I think that I want to throw a flyer it. on I, I'm, I'm the same way as you. I don't I encourage people. To bet in that way, I'm just saying the plus 200 for a team that is that, that has actually, their number is is, well, is, is listen, nice value. He, 
they've picked they've picked up five of a possible six points against the Rangers already this year. You know, but, so why why wouldn't you consider it a plus two hundred? Look, the Rangers seem to do a good job of correcting things when they do things wrong against a team. We've seen that a lot this year, mm. um, and this is literally back to back, literally. And they've had two days to kind of fix things. I envision that this well, is going to be a much tighter game. I envision that this is going to be a more offensively structured game for the Rangers, where they're going to do their best to stay within their structure, and hopefully we see some goals five on five from Kreider and Zibanejad because the the I don't know if you've seen this done on social media and otherwise. It's getting very loud that they are not contributing five on five the way they should be. Well, you're right, and you've you've talked many a time about breaking them up. Um, I don't hate and, the idea. And, I really don't. Well, well, now they're trying Kako again up there on the top line. Um, they tried VC. Now they're going to try to go back to Kako and see if that works. But um, let's do this again on Friday. Friday we will have our top yes. five of the week. Always looking forward to that. Want to hear from you at Don LaGreca, at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.